Welcome to Burnside at Home for Sunday, the 31st of January 2021. Uh, this is now the fourth Sunday of the tighter lockdown restrictions, uh, whenever the church building is closed to worshippers, and we're joining together online and also on the telephone line once again this week. I'm sure you've heard that the government have decided to uh, increase the number of weeks of lockdown and that our Presbyterian Church, in line with the government restrictions, have also decided to keep churches closed until at least the 5th of March. Uh, the church building, however, will be open this incoming week on Tuesday uh, for the blood transfusion service, who will be holding a blood donation session. And there are details on the blog and posters around the town. Uh, if you would like to donate blood, please contact the blood transfusion service directly. You will need to have an appointment to come. You can't just turn up on the day. And that will be running all day on Tuesday of this incoming week. Uh, please remember that although I'm not able to call at your home during this pandemic, uh, we can still talk on the telephone, uh, so please do get in touch if there are any pastoral issues that I can help you with. Today is the third week of our journey through lament, so thank you for joining with us once again. And a number of you have been saying uh, how much you have been helped uh, by this whole idea of lament and crying out to God. And I know that there are many within our congregation and within those who are listening uh, today to our service who really need to come to God in lament and cry out honestly to Him. And uh, this week, we're going to be thinking about how we come to God and we ask boldly for the things that we need. I'm delighted to say that uh, Eileen is uh, helping out uh, this week. Uh, I'm sorry that Eileen hasn't been involved every week, but it does take quite a bit uh, of organization to try to get all the little video clips put together. And uh, Eileen has kindly uh, been working behind the scenes, and uh, she's been putting together uh, sort of two or three hymns in a little medley. And they are beautifully done. They're, they're lovely little works of music that in this season of lament, Eileen has been picking hymns that can help us uh, focus our thoughts on God and, and, and come with sadness and, and mourning in our hearts, but then also be lifted to God in praise. So uh, look out for those little bits of music throughout the service. Uh, and then also Eileen is playing a couple of hymns for us today as well. Uh, and just pray that as the music is played, that God would speak into your soul directly and would uplift you and would help you focus upon God in those times. So thank you so much to Eileen for doing that for us. The aim of these services is that we learn how to worship God through lament, and we discover that lament is not just a negative thing, something that happens in times of suffering and pain, but it's also a very positive experience in our lives. And today, as we worship, although we're all spread apart, we are joined together through the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would have a deep sense of God's presence with us, that we would know God right beside us as we spend this 
hour of worship together. As we sing the hymns, as we turn to God in prayer, as we uh, read God's Word together, may God speak to each one of us. May we know that He is with us. May we hear His voice deep in our hearts. And in those moments of anguish where we cannot fully express our emotions or put into words how we feel, may the Holy Spirit step in. And may He take our thoughts and our emotions before the throne and groan in those inexpressible words in a way that our Heavenly Father will understand and will know. Today, we're going to look at another psalm together. We've been taking these psalms of lament over the last couple of weeks. We've been looking at how the psalmist comes to God and uses these words before God in his times of suffering and anguish. And we're going to come to the third part of lament today. We began by turning to God. Last week, we looked at how we can honestly cry out to God. And today, we're going to be thinking about how we ask boldly, how we come to God and ask Him for the things that perhaps we dare not even think we can ask of God. But He's listening, and He wants us to come in prayer, and He wants us to ask these things of Him. We therefore begin our service today by thinking about Psalm 22, and especially verse 11 of that psalm, where the psalmist is asking God. He's coming boldly before the throne, and he's asking God, Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. I wonder, can you identify with that today? Trouble is near. There seems to be nobody available to help. So we come to God and we ask Him boldly today, do not be far from me. Come close to me, Lord. Come close and stay close. And that's our prayer throughout this time of worship, that God would come close to us, that He would stay close and that we would know his presence with us. So let's bow before him in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in prayer, and we recognize at times that trouble is all around us. We recognize, Lord, that there are many things that we struggle with in this life. And Lord, there is no one to help us but you. So we turn to you today and we ask, Lord, that you would not stay far from us, but we pray that you would come close. Lord, we ask boldly today that we might know your presence here with us. Wherever we happen to be today, Lord, whatever our circumstances, right now may we know your presence with us. Help us, Lord. Draw close. Lord, if we might ask boldly today, speak into our hearts today. You know the words that we need to hear. You know the help that we need. You know, Lord, the words of encouragement that we need in our hearts to help us today. 
You know the words of challenge that we need, Lord, where we have been going along quite happily, and yet we realize now that we need you to speak, and we need you to challenge. So, Lord, be with us in this time of worship, we pray. Help us, Lord, in everything that we do here. Although these circumstances are different and odd, may we be bound together in your name. Lord, may we be blessed by you today. And may we know your holy presence with us. For, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is allowed to wake the king up in the middle of the night and ask him for a glass of water? But there is a person in the kingdom who wakes up thirsty. They decide that in the middle of the night they're going to go and they're going to ask the king if he can do anything to help them. And the king who has retired exhausted and who has said, do not disturb, hears the request, gets out of bed without a complaint, goes to the palace kitchen and pours out a glass of water and gives it to the person who requested it. Who is that person? Well, it can only be the king's daughter. She's the only one who is able to disturb the king while he's sleeping and ask for something so small and so insignificant. Today, we're thinking about asking boldly. We can come with a request to our Heavenly Father because we are His children. You and I are His daughters and His sons. And no matter how big or indeed how small the request is, he will listen to us. The list of items to disturb a king with in the middle of the night is really quite small, I would imagine. It would need to be an attack on the kingdom or maybe even a natural disaster or a a terrible accident has taken place. But a glass of water... That only happens because of who we are. That's the only reason that something so small and insignificant could be brought to the king in the middle of the night. Today, the creator of the universe is seated on his throne. And because he has adopted us into his family as children, then we're able to go to him and ask him for anything at any time. We can go in the middle of the night and ask him for a glass of water, as it were. So if you're concerned about the national pandemic, or you're concerned about a member of the family, a grandchild, for example, God is listening to both those requests and and everything that's in between. Whatever we say to him, he hears and then he acts upon. There are many all around us today who have nowhere to go with their concerns. So 
they take other alternatives. They maybe join in the conspiracy theories. They obsess over the worst news stories that they hear. They've got very little positive to do in times like these. But we have a different approach. We are able to come to God and lament. We have this incredible gift of lament that we can exercise in times like these that we are living in. And rather than it being a negative activity, lament actually draws us closer into our relationship with God. Imagine the king's daughter going in the middle of the night and asking for the glass of water. The king doesn't storm off in a temper, get the glass of water, shoves it in his daughter's face and then heads back to bed. He asks, are you okay? What's wrong? He gets the water and sits down with her and gives her the glass and then chats. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's bothering you. Tell me what's on your heart. And then he tucks her up in bed and sits there until she goes to sleep. And then he returns to his own bed again. That's our Heavenly Father today. We are to come boldly and ask him for whatever is on our mind. And he listens. And he comes alongside us. And we're drawn closer to him in that process of asking and then waiting on his answer. So this third step of lament, after turning to God and then honestly crying out to him, this third step is to ask boldly. What we find in any lament are these stages. You begin by turning to God. If you're going to pray, that's the first step. Turn to God and look to him. Then honestly cry out. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him what's bothering you, what's annoying you, what's not fair in the world. And then that leads us to ask God for what we want to see happening. Now often this starts from a place of pain and suffering. Things are not right. Things are not the way that we want them to be. And therefore we come lamenting to God because of that. There's something that we want God to do. And as we turn to God and cry out honestly to him... Then we begin to ask. Quite often whenever the psalmist asks God, he does so with confidence. He does it with confidence in the character of God that it's almost as though the action has already taken place. So he'll ask God to do something and he says it with such authority that you would almost think that God had already done what is being asked of him. And the reason the psalmist is able to come in that confidence and ask God in that way is that he knows who God is. So he doesn't ask God to do anything that is beyond his character. He knows the way that God acts. He knows that God is a God of love. He knows that he is a God of compassion. And therefore, he only asks God to do things that fit in with his character. 
One writer has said the following, boldly asking God for help based upon who he is and what he has promised eclipses the complaints. I say eclipses for a reason. It captures the fact that complaints are not always resolved before we move to requests. You know what it's like in the event of an eclipse. If you've ever been privileged enough to see a solar eclipse, the moon comes between us and the sun and we can no longer see the sun because the moon is there. The sun hasn't disappeared. The moon isn't bigger than the sun, but because of its positioning, the sun is eclipsed and we no longer feel the heat or see the light from the sun. And that's what this writer is saying, that whenever we come asking boldly, it doesn't mean that our complaint has been sorted out. It may still be there. But whenever we start asking God boldly, and we start doing it based upon who he is and what he is like, our attention is drawn more to God than it is to the complaints and the problems. And so they start to go into shade, and God is illuminated in a way that we see him more clearly. So we're not necessarily looking for a solution to our complaints immediately. We start to turn to God and focus on him and who he is, and our complaints are eclipsed and put in the right perspective. You see, our requests are made on the assumption of who God is. Our complaints, why is this happening, move into the shadow of who is God? What is he like? What can he do? There's a a great little word that we find in this psalm. And you can usually find it, or an equivalent word, in each of the psalms of lament. The psalmist complains about the injustice. He complains about what is going wrong. And then he uses this little word, and you'll see it in verse 3 and verse 9. He says, yet. So he's praying to God and he's saying, look, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Yet. Yet. And then in verse 19, he uses the word but in a similar way. These things are all wrong, Lord, but. And what happens is that he's saying, all these things are wrong, yet you're a God who can be trusted. Yet you don't normally act like this, but this isn't my experience of you. So therefore, come, Lord, and act the way that I've always seen you act in the past. So in this particular psalm, we've got the injustice in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning? And then in verse 3, we have yet. So Lord, why are you so far from me? Why are you so far from saving me? 
So although this is how things appear, the psalmist is saying, I know that the opposite is true. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. So Lord, it seems as though you're far away from me. Yet I know that you're the king. You're enthroned on high. You're in charge of all things. Lord, It appears as if you're far from me. It appears as if you've forgotten me. Verse 9, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. So Lord, this can't be the case because I know these other things about you. I feel as though I'm on my own, Lord. Verse 19, but you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. And then the requests come. And the psalmist begins to ask boldly of the Lord. Verses 20 and 21 have some of those requests. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of wild oxen. So the psalmist began in verse 1 by saying, it seems as though you're far away from saving me. And now he's saying, save me, come and protect me. This is what I need you to do. Protect me from the sword. Protect me from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. If you're in the mouth of lions, you are beyond help almost. Who can step in to pull you from the mouth of a lion and save you? Only God. But this is a God who seems far from saving. Well, Lord, I'm asking you to save. Can you please do this? These are the requests that we bring to God. And perhaps you are in a similar position today. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what is happening. But whatever it is, is there a yet or a but that you need to put in your prayer to God. Lord, this is what's going wrong, but I know that you normally act like this. Lord, this is a mess, yet you're the God who is able to sort out the mess. And therefore, I'm asking you to do this. And that's what lament is all about. That is how lament works in our lives. Lord, this is going wrong, yet you are the one who is able to sort it out. So how do we use a psalm of lament at home? How do we use it in our own lives? It's all very well in a service of worship, having a psalm read and thinking, yes, that works for me. But you see, these psalms of lament were written by various psalmists in the Old Testament times. They each have a particular background. There's a reason why each psalm was written. Sometimes we know what the reason was. Sometimes we don't, and we just have to to either guess or, or just use the words as they are. There's a reason why they were written, something personal sometimes. 
Sometimes it's a national thing that's happening in the country that was causing concern. And the psalmist comes each time and cries out to God and asks God to intervene and sort out the problem. So what do we do about that? Do we read the psalm and then go, okay, here's someone who benefited from lamenting. That's very good for the psalmist. Let me see how they did it and I'll do the same. And yes, that is part of it. Let me see the steps that they've taken. Okay, they were suffering, and then they turned to God. Then they cried out honestly to God. Then they asked boldly of God, and then they trusted in him. Okay, I'll do the same. And that is indeed what I'm encouraging you to do with these psalms, to go through those steps day by day as you lament and turn to God and find help in him. But there are also times whenever we're in pain that we can't even begin to formulate that idea in our minds of getting those steps sorted out and putting them into words before God. There are times when the suffering and the distress is so much that that is beyond us. And we can't sort that out in our minds. The grief is so great that we need help. We need help even just to pray to God. So in that situation, we're to take a psalm of lament and just simply pray it as though it were our own. Just simply read through the words that are there before us in the Bible and pray them. Perhaps not every line will apply to us, but the most of it will. And the Holy Spirit will take the words that we're reading and will formulate them in our minds and present them before the Father. And our prayer will be answered. The Holy Spirit will groan for us where we don't know what to say ourselves. So how does that work? Are there any examples of that in the the Bible? I wonder, did any of this psalm sound familiar while we were reading it? Did any of the words ring any bells with you? Did any of the complaints make you think of anyone in particular? Did the opening line of the psalm make you say, I've heard that before? Well, that's why I read from Psalm 20 or from Matthew 27. The reason is that you probably have heard this psalm before. Whenever Jesus hung on the cross. Whenever Jesus was on the cross, as we read from Matthew 27, he recited the opening verse of the psalm. He took the psalm and he used it as a lament. And if ever there was a time to lament, it was Jesus on the cross. And it would seem that he didn't just use the opening verse of the psalm. But he was almost saying to his father, Father, hear my prayer. Here it is, this psalm of lament. It's my prayer today. Take these words because they are my prayer to you. 
In extreme suffering and pain, Jesus said, Psalm 22 is my prayer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? And those words that we read from Matthew 27, verse 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And although Jesus only uses one verse from the psalm, Matthew saw the significance of this psalm in all that was happening on that particular day. And Matthew records a number of occasions where what is happening matches what has been in this psalm. For example, they divided up Jesus' clothes. Matthew 27, verse 35, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And it's there in the psalm in verse 18. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. It's precisely what is happening. You can see why Jesus uses this psalm because he's pointing us to this lament and he's pointing us to all these things that are happening around him. They insulted Jesus. Matthew records it in verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. And it's there in the lament as well, verse 7 of the psalm. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. And then with regards to trusting in God and finding deliverance in God, Matthew says in verse 43, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the psalmist says in verse 8, He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Jesus is using the whole psalm as a lament, as a cry to God in his moment of suffering to make sense of all that's taking place and to help us make sense of it as well. Now, although Jesus used this psalm, we could use it ourselves. We may not be hanging on a cross. We may not be about to die. But we can still use these words as our own, as a lament to God and ask him to come and to help. And the end of the psalm leaves us expecting vindication for the death of the Messiah. Leaves us expecting something great to happen at the point of disaster. And of course that comes in the resurrection. Verses 21 towards the end of the psalm describe what will happen. And they use many terms that are associated with Jesus. And Jesus' ministry. And the psalmist is looking ahead to what God is going to do. And Jesus is saying on the cross, this is what I have done. Look again at the psalm, verse 26. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They will seek the Lord. 
They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. And then the next couple of verses. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. This is Jesus that we're speaking about here hundreds of years before he came. And then verses 29 to 31, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. So what's do we ask for? What do we ask God for? Well, it depends very much on our circumstances. It depends what we need at this particular moment in time. But God wants us to ask. He wants us to cry out honestly to him and then to ask him boldly to deal with the situation. We can ask God for whatever he lays on our hearts, whatever burden he gives us. And this incoming week in the Beside the Burn studies, each day I'm going to look at some of the requests, some of the, the questions that the psalmist asks of the Lord throughout these Psalms of Lament. And there are about nine general requests that keep coming up in the Psalms. And we're going to look at those each day and see how we then can use those requests ourselves. And they're a good pattern for us in asking. But God wants us to come and lament and to ask boldly. But whenever we ask, we need to be prepared for the answer from God. Because we come honestly crying to God and then we ask him boldly. We may ask for the wrong thing. But that's okay as long as we realize that it's the wrong thing. So whenever we ask God boldly, it doesn't mean to say, okay, that's the third step in lament. God will now give us whatever we want. That's not what it's about. We ask boldly. And then we listen to God's answer. God may well say no. He may well say, look, that's the wrong thing you're asking for. I think you should be asking for something else. Have you thought about this idea? Have you thought about this different approach? So we need to be ready to hear God say no. And we need to be ready to accept that answer. God may, of course, also say, not yet. He may say, things are not just quite right at the moment for that answer. Wait a little while. Then it will come. Keep asking, but just be patient and it will come. And of course, God may simply say, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I've heard your cry, and that is my answer. You've asked in accordance with my character, and so I'm going to do exactly what you have asked me to do. And so we come to him asking boldly, 
and praying that he will answer our prayers. We come to him and we say, Lord, here is my request, but not my will, but your will be done. So let's bow before God in prayer. Psalm 22 that we've already sung together today is a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of crying out to God. And now Jason Craig is going to read from Psalm 22 for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. For I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Amen.
Psalm 22 is a a powerful psalm of lament. It's a psalm of crying out to God in that moment of anguish whenever we think that we're alone and yet we know that we need God to draw close. And what we're going to find in our service today that Psalm 22 is quoted in the New Testament. Jesus uses that psalm to cry out to God whenever he's on the cross. And so I want to read to you from Matthew 27, uh, the account of the crucifixion and when Jesus uses the opening verse of Psalm 22. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Amen. And we pray that God will bless to us this reading of his word today. We're going to come to God in prayer once again. And we're going to bring our prayers for others. And with all that is happening in the world today, we're coming in intercession before God and we're coming in lament. 
lamenting all the things that are happening around us that cause us pain and cause us distress, and then asking God to come and answer those prayers. So let's pray together. Lord, we come in prayer today, and our prayer is a lament. Lord, there are so many things that trouble us today, and we turn to you because there is nowhere else that we can turn to. And Lord, we recognize that in this short prayer, we're only mentioning a few of the things that cause us concern at this time. Lord, the restrictions have been extended once again. How long, Lord, until they are lifted? Routine operations have been cancelled. When will normal health care be able to resume, Lord? Healthcare professionals are exhausted and under pressure. When will they be able to rest, Lord? People are isolated and lonely. How will they ever come back into society again? School children have had exams cancelled. How can they stay motivated to learn, Lord? School teachers are under pressure as they try to teach when distant from classes. When will they have a break? Businesses are closed and people have no idea how they will be able to pay their bills. Jobs are in jeopardy and people have exhausted their savings and will soon lose so much more. Where will relief come from, Lord? Lord, there are people that we haven't even thought about who are suffering day by day and are in extreme despair. There are many, Lord, who are unable to work in these days. When will they be able to get back again? There are many who are shielding, Lord, when will it be safe to go out for them? Yet, Lord, you are the sovereign one, the one who is in control of all things. You are the mighty God. You are the God of all creation. You said, let there be light, and there was light. You created us in your image. Lord, come and display your power in this world. Holy Spirit, come and revive us today. Lord Jesus, bring your salvation to the world. Lord, help us today to trust in you. Not trusting in man-made schemes, but trusting in you and your might and power. We trust you today, Lord, because you are a compassionate God and you know us and you know every detail about us. So, Lord, increase our trust in you today and may we glorify you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Eileen is now going to play the second medley of pieces. In times like these, we need a saviour. I know who holds a future and yesterday, today and forever. Praise God again, uh, this time singing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And thank you once again to Eileen for playing and for all the music that she's provided for our service today.
Now, as we come to the end of our service, I want to pray this blessing upon each one of you. And now may the God who never forsakes you be with you always and hear your prayers as our Father, our Son, and our Holy Spirit, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining with us in our service today. It's been a number of weeks since we've had the Gettys at the end of our service with their family hymn song. Uh, they've been staying at their home in Northern Ireland, not too far away from uh, here. And uh, this week they have been singing once again as a family. So it won't follow on immediately, but if you just click uh, below this video on the website, uh, you'll be able to enjoy that hymn sing. So once again, thank you for joining with us today, and may God bless you in the week ahead. <laughs>